fucking deep. I like it. These guys are jerks. Fucking deep. Bless you, boys. Young men expressing themselves. Unbelievable. Fucking deep. Put it in deep. The wait is over, and the St. Louis Blues are the Stanley Cup champions for the first time in franchise history. Get pucks deep, bring the puck deep. Put pucks in deep. He's chipping pucks, he's getting pucks deep. Just put the puck deep. Getting pucks out, getting pucks deep. Get pucks deep, pucks in deep. Puck deep, pucks deep. Keep getting pucks deep. Canada, the NBA title is yours. The Toronto Raptors are the 2019 NBA champions. All right, welcome back. Pucks in Deep podcast episode 36. I think we might uh, have to call this one the championship edition. Hey, eh? let's go with a couple of championships to talk about. A couple of championships, man. What a what a fantastic week of sports we just had. It yeah, I mean, obviously the raps thing is huge, okay? Canada, everyone was cheering about it. We'll get into that a little bit later on. But you're right. I mean, I kind of combined that, you know, the whole NHL coming to an end and the NBA final happening, what was it, the day after, right? Which I believe happened last year as well. Uh, Golden State won, right? They won last year, didn't they? They won, they won last yeah, year. Yeah, okay. So Golden State won and then the Capitals won the next night. So they were kind of talking about that in St. Louis. Ooh, if history repeats itself. I think it might have even been a couple years in a row where that happened the nba championship was won, or yes yeah yeah the nba championship was won, and then the next day the uh stanley cup was awarded so pretty exciting week like you said yeah a lot of good tv and space uh staying up past my bedtime (laughs) run regular basis on weeknights it's true so what'd you do for uh well, let's talk about games six and seven. They were both pretty exciting. Or sorry, five and six. Yeah. Let's talk about games five and six. They were both pretty exciting. Uh, what did you get up to? Well, had a few people over, had a few drinks, and just, it was pretty tense, though. Yeah, it was. You know, like, um, I felt like that during parts of the uh, the Milwaukee series and the Philly game seven, especially, like, palms were sweating oh, the yeah. entire game. But, no, I well, we had a blast. Um, I know... Game five was a bit of a disappointment. Um, I didn't make it down to Toronto, unlike uh, a few gentlemen I know. Yeah, who uh, went all in, went big, and like I mean, that was the time to do it. Right, they're at home. Yeah, city would have blown up. So, how was that whole experience? Well, in hindsight, I mean, it could have been dangerous, you know. Like when I really think about it, like I was just like on board. I was like, yeah, let's go. You know, my buddy was just like, hey, we're going. I booked a hotel room. And apparently you have a good story on that too. The hotel was well, booked. yeah, because he I was with him the previous game, and he was looking through his phone, like trying to find out where to, where he could stay and like how close to downtown he can get. A lot of three stars, a lot of expensive Airbnbs, and I guess they were getting scooped up though. It's like right after the Raptors won that game to yeah. go up three one in the series. I Which guess they makes, were they were disappearing fast. Yeah, it makes total sense. Jeez. So you end up going down Fair on Monday. What a beauty. Oh, speaking of a beauty, look at the fucking dog trying to come in with the frisbee. Just ate shit right in front of the door. (laughs) 
He can't make it up the step yeah, with yeah. the frisbee. So we had him last last time we recorded. I just got him, eh? Yeah, I, was, I, I just got Archie. Yeah, fucking little guy. What a beaut! Look at those ears, huge. Gonna probably cause all kinds of shit while we're trying to record here. Podcast but, uh, mascot. But anyway, yeah, Toronto was great, man. We waited in line for. I think we expected to be in line for a couple hours, and it was closer to three hours, uh, which was okay. We had some, you know, things to to get us by some some vodkas and couple of other things as well but uh we finally got in we got in right before tip off and the bar was lit as the kids are saying these days so three hours just to get into a bar yeah wayne gretzky's oh wayne gretzky's okay well that's yeah that's a pretty fine establishment so when we finally got in um we got one two three right at the bar right in front of the the i mean they had like three tvs which are all showing the same thing but i feel like if you're further back and there's three consecutive TVs showing the same thing. Sometimes you're like, hey, which one am I fucking looking at? <laughs> but we were right in front of the bar, which was great for drinks because we would just kind of be like, hey, I'll take another one of these, you know, and uh, you don't have to like fight through people to, to get drinks and stuff. But it was really fun. The game was super exciting and it looked over. And then all of a sudden it wasn't because of a fucking over and back call. Yeah. <laughs> like, are you kidding there me? There was a bunch of weird calls an towards the end of that game. An over and back call with 15 seconds left and all the raps need is, 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 a bucket. is a bucket. Like the fact that they even ended up in that situation where they had one shot to win it. Was insane. Was It was crazy and it, it made it. I, I think we were standing up for the last, you know, minute, minute and a half of that game. That's crazy. Because somehow they found a way back into a game where it didn't really feel like they were in no. it. I know they played they played fairly well and they kind of got away from them in the third quarter. See, I feel like you at home have a better handle on really how it's going than me in the bar with everyone because I kind of knew that it wasn't going great, but the atmosphere was making me believe that it was going great. Oh, yeah. The place you must know? have been rocking. Yeah. Like every three that fucking fell, everyone was just, you know, going ballistic. And if you asked, you know, the guys I went with and myself, we'd probably all tell you that there was just an abundance of three pointers made. But really, that was their weakest game. Yeah. They were throwing up a ton of bricks that game. It was From beyond really line, frustrated. Yeah. And that had been one of their strengths in the previous games. But it seemed, uh, Unfortunately, everyone went really, really cold. But I mean, uh, obviously that that didn't continue in the finals. I mean, Lowry came out just guns a blazing. Like I, I've never seen like something like that in all the years I've watched Raptors, where a guy just comes in, he's like, "We're not losing tonight," and he just makes a statement, scores was eleven straight points what do you got, to start uh, the game, including th- two threes, three. Three threes in a three row. Three threes, yeah, wasn't and, it? Yeah, and a, and a layup. Yeah, it was ridiculous. It was it was so sick, and it just it really uh, it really pulled you right back in and made you believe they could do it. Um, and Siakam finally started getting some from beyond the arc too, because he was just ice cold from out there. Yeah, it was funny. The um, my buddies when I was watching uh, Game Six, and uh, we had a we had a uh, like a pro line ticket. And one of the props, it was a prop ticket. So you had to pick like, you know, this guy gets under this many points or this guy gets under this many three pointers. And I say it like that because the ticket we went all in on was involving Kyle Lowry scoring under uh, five threes or six threes or something like that. And he had like four in the first quarter. <laughs> we were like, oh, okay. I guess that, I guess that prop is done. You should know he's stepping up in a yeah. big game. Like, yeah. uh, Kyle Lowry stepped up in a huge way. Obviously, Kawhi Leonard, but you know, goes without saying. 
uh, Van Vliet, Ibaka, like Gasol, like the contributions were. And and Kawhi was kind of quiet. Well, he Kawhi it. He did he did what he had to do. You know, he it's just it, what I noticed, and it's something you won't notice if you're not watching the whole game, but. Just little little big time moments, you know, a steal and then a, a bucket, or True. a huge rebound and then a bucket, something like that, that really can change the momentum or change the flow or kill the momentum of, of Golden State because it seemed like this throughout the series where Golden State would go on a little run, you know, and they, they'd be up six or eight or something like that, but the Raptors would answer back with at least at least a bucket to break that flow, yeah, and kind of quiet the crowd in Golden State. Because I didn't feel like the the crowd in Golden State in any of the games they beat them in were were rambunctious at all. Really. Right, like they would get juiced up when the when they would go on a run, but like getting those little buckets were so key because it, it quieted the crowd down really quick. Yeah, they don't seem to be as maybe the word to use is effective out there but can you blame them man they've been there like they're just that's what they're used to they're like oh finals next year i can't wait till the finals next year you know i think it's that and there's some nervousness to it like i i think i think as a as a fan or somebody who was a fan of golden state probably had almost accepted that there's a strong chance they're losing that series and you might have been able to see it from golden state as well because their body language i know it's golden state's all that cockiness, that all that flexing and bullshit they do. Oh yeah, that died. I think after they went down two or three one in the series, there was none, none of that stuff. No more chirping and all that. Whereas you saw a lot more swagger and attitude out of them in, in the first couple of games. Oh yeah, well you get humbled, right? In, I think that's what happened. In sports, you get humbled. Uh, sometimes you lose games you should have won. Sometimes you lose series that you should have won. But at the end of the day. The winning team always wins. You know, like history isn't going to put an asterisk next to the Dallas Stars Stanley Cup in 1999. Because, Although that's probably the biggest but, example you know, of such a thing. No, but no, yeah, sure. You're right. It is. It is a good example to use. But my point is still that it is a win. A win is a win is a win and fuck off. So, yeah, nobody's going to remember in yeah. three years anyway. I mean, Tampa went out in the first round this year. Are are they going to be favorites to win the cup next year? I would have to say more so. More than likely. More than likely. Yeah, more and, than likely. You know, people will scoff at that. And it's like, okay, listen, if we're going to spend all of our time, all of our free time scoffing at Vegas odds, we need to get some lives here. Because, <laughs> like, I mean, we're always talking about like, uh, or at least I always hear them talking about on the radio, like odds for this, odds to win the heart and odds to do this. Did you know that tonight to win $100 on Elias Pettersson winning the Calder, you have to bet two grand. <laughs> <laughs> you have to bet two grand for to win 100 beans. I mean, it's a pretty sure thing. So if you have, you know, a lot of money, you could probably do that, I guess. You're probably but, not doing it. Probably not worth the effort for $100. Imagine that. Your time's probably worth more than that. Anyway, we might cover the awards <laughs> a little bit later. Like you said, they're not. it's not a great time for them to, to be going down, but a couple of conversations to be had. But uh, we wrapped up our, our Raptors uh, segment, our Balls Deep segment here on the pod. If the Raptors continue to be a force, we're probably going to have to do a little Raptors segment as well. Well, I think it's a dominant storyline. And regardless if you're a you know, big time basketball fan. Like I've talked to all kinds of buddies of mine who are, you know, more of the casual fan or not fans at all, man, but it's gotten people into it. Like my yeah. wife's gotten right into watching basketball now. And she did make a, a good point 
Um, in comparison to watching hockey, she said, she's, she's saying, I might prefer to watch basketball versus hockey. She's like, it's a lot easier just to, to keep up with what's going on. It's very true. And I said the same thing to, uh, Kirsty. I said, you know, what's, what's great about the sport is there's always a moment to cheer for versus in hockey. Okay. Unless you're like super invested on certain players and you're watching their shifts and you're like, Oh, good shift. Whoever good shift, you know? Okay. That's a really in-depth fan. But for the flyby fan, you're kind of watching nothing. You're waiting for goals. Nothing might happen. You're waiting for goals and you used to be waiting for fights and we don't have those anymore. Right. So you're basically just waiting for goals. And now we've kind of started to scratch and claw and we're grasping at straws by just hoping for power plays because they might breed goals, or at least right. they breed chances. You know, uh, if a game doesn't feature too many chances, it's it's not very interesting. Whereas there's always a three pointer going up, and you're like, oh, oh, you know, picture that being a, a partial breakaway, a moment where you'd be like, oh, and then oh, he didn't score. It's definitely more engaging. I think I can admit as a spectator. I agree. I sure. totally agree. But I mean, I had a fucking blast, like going going uh, following this playoff run, and I'm so exciting, huge. Huge moment for Canada and therefore the world. Um, they finally got their parade downtown Toronto that we've been planning <laughs> yeah. for for Leafs however are long. Leafs are next. I don't know how you plan for whatever logistical nightmare is two million people coming downtown Toronto, though. Yeah. Because, like, uh, it was fucked how it took them six hours to get down there. And, like, I got to feel like if you're the players, I mean, they're human beings, man, too. They're, they're sitting out there in the sun, and they're also drunk coming off a three-day bender. <laughs> <laughs> and they went to and Vegas. And they're drinking on the bus. And they went to Vegas. Yeah. And so they're uh fucking beauty. They're rolling in on those buses and they, it took them forever to get them down. I I think the time estimated time of arrival at first was going to be like 12:30 1 o'clock. Right. And cuz they were supposed to have left was exhibition place or something at 10. 10 yeah. They didn't get in there till like 3:30. I know. <laughs> it was crazy. And and there's a ton of people there, man. Like it looked pretty cool. Oh, it looked like a lot of fun. Did you see that photo of Kawhi with his shades on, and you can see the yeah. thousands of people? That's in, one of my favorite pictures. In the reflection, there was one as well that somebody posted of Lowry, where he's holding the trophy, and you can see the the fans in the reflection the of the trophy? trophy, which was pretty cool too. Cool. And uh, Lowry was repping that uh, that OG Stoudemire yeah, jersey. Which I know was pretty what sick. a beaut. Yeah, yeah, man. You're right though. You said it, it has pulled you in. I think I would have put you. Uh, slightly higher on the fan chart than myself. I am a total bandwagon fan and I'm not afraid to admit it. That doesn't mean that I'm not allowed to cheer for the team and hope that they do well and start calling them we. I bought a bunch of shit. I bought like fucking $80 in Raptor gear. Oh yeah, my Kawhi, my Kawhi shirt and my hat is, is on the way. I bought the champion's hat. So oh, did you? It's, it's in the mail. <laughs> my, mine's hanging up. I meant to show it to you. I'll have to show it to you after we're done recording, but it's the the finals one, the gray and black, which is nice. I, yeah, I yeah. don't know why. I know gray is not a color. But I'm I'm like I'm the gray ranger. Everything I buy seems to be gray. I, I I like it. It seems to go well with everything if you add a color to it, I guess. So I really liked it and I was like, oh fuck, it's kind of expensive. I was like, I might even lose it. Like if they win, I don't know. I might even lose Better the fucking thing. But I was like, no, when in Rome, so I picked it up and I mean, yeah, like obviously I'm gonna be tuning in next year. I already told you I'm not gonna tune into every game, but I'll probably be tuning into a lot of games when I'm when I know they're on and it's in the fourth and it's it's within ten points. I'm I'm tuning in. Yeah. Probably watch the last quarter, every quarter, if it's close. That counts for casual basketball fans. I think so. Yeah. I mean, like, even checking the scores the next day counts, you know, because you don't have time to watch TV or whatever, you know, like, 
I don't know. It's going to be difficult for me whenever I've got like, I don't know how easy it is for you, but you say your wife enjoys it too, right? Like I don't think my future wife is going to enjoy uh, watching basketball, you know, but I might throw it on to catch the last couple minutes. Yeah. She might be getting me to throw on the games now. Oh yeah. Coming next season. I nice. don't know. Nice. But uh, I went shopping for some gear on the Monday before game five, I believe it was. Um, I was trying to get those final shirts that they were on the bench, the white shirts. Oh yeah. The uh, long sleeves. No, they're short sleeve, I believe, oh, okay. but they're just white ones. Say NBA Finals, the team, and then their name on the back, the Nike ones there. And I was uh, trying to buy a Leonard one. They're like, yeah, I've got smalls and double XLs left. <laughs> like, there was fuck all. Like, any, anything with Leonard's name on it was gone. Lowry, like, um, I think they restocked a bunch of shit and obviously released a bunch of shit after the finals. Yeah, and that's yeah, when yeah. I was able to pick up a few items. Well, I called a couple places here in town, the kids den and uh sport check and sport check told me that everything Raptors was shipped to Toronto. Oh yeah. I heard, uh, yeah, I heard that as well. They shipped a bunch of stuff in, into Toronto. That doesn't seem fair. Well, I guess you might come on. That's where they're going to sell it. Right. I know, but come on, you can't hang on to like at least Some inventory, four or yeah. five, everything. They said literally everything. That's crazy. I'm surprised they just didn't ship everything that they had. That was red. Well, I had read, <laughs> I had read before the finals. I think they said their, their merchandise sales was up, but they were setting like, uh, like records in the NBA store. And it was like a hundred percent over last year or something increase. So, well, it's pretty good. I mean, I can't imagine that it's not good for the league. The only thing that's bad for the league, we've talked about this at the NHL level as well, is Canadian teams bring in colored money. Colored money goes out green. And we all know that we lose a lot at the pumps when we convert it. So, you know, the the revenue that comes in from the fans and, and the things that they buy now online, of course... And when we do buy things, let's go. They are more expensive. They do. They 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 factor in the conversion, like a oh, yeah. right. You know what I mean? Like a jersey costs more in Canada than it does in the states, which is fine. But the ticket sales are sure they can be more expensive here in Canada. But even still, then we start buying hot dogs and everything else, and you know it can be kind of difficult. So, do you think that it might lead to at least a conversation about having another team, like a Vancouver kind? Oh, of Oh, it thing? definitely is going to because yeah. it's 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 going to show the appetite and the popularity of the sport and. I mean, not to say it hasn't been growing rapidly and very popular in Canada. It absolutely is, but it might get the NBA to pay a little more attention to it and look into potential opportunities, I would think. Well, man, the Canadian fans, let's be honest here. The the team has been around since, what, 94? 95. 95, 95. I think you're right with 95. Um, The passion of a Canadian sports fan, even if you don't even like hockey, it's just kind of a cultural thing. And like you get that Canadian way of, you know, becoming so invested in the team. Whereas you're not just going to be like a psycho yelling and screaming, go team, rah, rah, let's go boys. You're actually like angry when, <laughs> when they lose and stuff, you know, like it affects your mood. Like that's the, I feel like that's deep rooted in Canadian hockey fans. Yeah. It's, like that's the thing about sports is it transcends culture like it's you can say it's in a pocket on its own at times but yeah. when you know the thing about the NBA finals they said it's so huge for the team and for marketing and for the country and for the city of Toronto is global right like this is broadcast globally so we yeah true. You know, you're reaching an audience that you don't necessarily always have and you know most of the Raptors games you know aren't broadcasted uh nationally in the united states i think there was a couple they did this year um probably because of Kawhi leonard and 
and uh, then they win some of the and big then they teams. Win the championship. Yeah, but most of the times they don't have even nationally broadcasted games in the U.S. How many so, will they have next year? Huge spotlight. They might have a little more. I think a lot of that hinges on whether they are able to re-sign Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, so. but even if they don't, it still has to mean something. I don't know. To be I, on. They're the fucking champions. How do you not play the champions on the TV? I don't know. It's, 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 it's all about personnel, really. It's it's about showcasing superstars, right? Yeah, you're right. That's what they do. You're right. I mean, that's what uh, everyone gives credit to the NBA of. Uh, for versus the NHL, it's it's marketing superstars. You know, uh, I know basketball can be a bit more of an indivi- individualistic sport than hockey, but they play into it perfectly. Yeah, but then that breeds the athlete running the show. I suppose to a certain degree, it can. It depends. And it, has. it depends how much you want to wipe these guys' asses at the end of the day. I mean, you gotta you gotta draw that line and. I th- you know, thankfully, I don't think Toronto really had that had that issue, especially super- this year because of the the types of people on that team. The super team ruined the NBA. Super teams ruined the NBA. It definitely made it definitely makes it more boring. It ruined it. Like this year was uh, was a godsend to the NBA. If you if from that perspective, in that a t- an underdog team won a and real the Warriors team lost. And you know what, dude? Another real team that won St. Louis Blues. Right? Are the St. Louis Blues not the Toronto Raptors of the NHL with really no superstar player? Like, I know everyone's going to be like, holy fuck, what are you talking about, Coleman? They got Tarasenko, you know? Like, okay, Tarasenko hasn't been Tarasenko since, like, 2016 when he burst out and we thought he was going to be an elite superstar and then he just kind of was a good player. Like, a really good player, probably above average player. You got to be putting... I think Ryan O'Reilly put himself in a situation to be called a, yeah, but a that's, superstar at yeah, this point. Yeah, but that's recency bias, though. No one thought that when they traded him out of Buffalo. People thought that they traded him out of Buffalo because he was a, a problem, a part of the problem in Buffalo. Yeah, I don't think his talent was ever a question, though. You know? I think he, I, would you have called him a superstar last year? No. No? I wouldn't have put Ryan O'Reilly in superstar status. I mean, are you putting Gabe Landeskog in superstar status? Yeah, that's tough because I think those are both underrated hockey players. I agree. That's why and that, I used And that's because, um, you know, I guess in the case of Landeskog, he plays in the shadow of two other guys. But he's the captain. But he's the captain. And he's a, just an excellent all-around hockey player. He's a good comparable. Scores, scores 30 goals, hits guys, yeah. wins draws, you know. But you know what I mean, dude. We gotta, we gotta, we, you talked about it earlier. You've got to draw the line somewhere. You've got your generationals, and then you've got your superstars. So yeah. if, if you're putting an Austin Matthews in a superstar category, then a guy like Landis Goggin O'Reilly is in the great player category with everyone else. I think O'Reilly. Not everyone, but you know what I mean. Like I think O'Reilly's probably been underrated for a good portion of his career. Because I remember even when he got traded over to Buffalo and got that, that pretty decent contract, I was like, holy shit. Like, I didn't know how good this guy was. And yeah. mind you, he played in Colorado, so he's True. not someone we got to see a lot of. Yeah, that's um, a good point, too. But anyway. But I don't want to take away from the point. The point was the team. The team won. I mean, we're wrapping up the Stanley Cup Finals. Congratulations to the St. Louis Blues, as you heard off the top of the intro. They win the Stanley Cup for their first time in franchise history. And as a result of doing so, they thrust the Toronto Maple Leafs into the number one status as the longest-serving drought in professional sports. It's about sports. fucking time. So thank you. Give us that That's fucking ours. crown. That's Give ours. That I can't. Crown. You know, all these years we didn't have that. I felt like we were entitled to it, and I now want we it. have it. 
<laughs> Listen, I remember when Chicago won in 2010. And I was like, this sucks because now the Leafs are the longest team without a cup in the NHL. Right. Right. But then the Blues win. How does how does that how does that work anyway? Because the, the Leafs, when did the Blue the Blues were in sixty seven? Well, they just never won. No, but they were they joined the league in sixty seven, yeah. right? So it, yeah, I guess they were tied. Quote, so I suppose yeah, they were tied the longest, with the Leafs. Yeah, title drought. Yeah. So when when Chicago won, I was a little bitter because they passed the baton to the Leafs, and it was like, oh darn, I wonder when this is gonna end you know and like now it's definitely ours like everyone's talking about it so i like your uh i like your uh point of attack though give me it well if i'm a player on that team i'm like good i was like let's fucking end this like let's it always it. gives you a little extra motivation not like you need any no but, but it's already there from how storied the franchise is and what they've gone through in recent years recent going as far back as harold harold ballard you and know? now we'll get repeated all the time in the media too that exact point yeah, That's yeah. Well, hey, you know what? Just what the media was looking for. They were desperate for another narrative, right? Oh, of course. <laughs> um, what did you think of the game seven, though? Uh, game seven was another notch in the St. Louis Road victory belt. That's all it was. I mean, people were talking about like, oh, well, the Blues are really good on the road. Yeah, they were. I know that. But this is a game seven. This isn't just some other you know, game in the series. It's not games two, three, or five. It's game seven, and it's for the fucking cup. And you've got a bunch of guys on the Boston side that have been there before and zero players on St. Louis. So for me, I felt that the experience kind of washed out uh, St. Louis's good road record because I know there's probably something that's gelling with the boys when they go on the road. Something's gelling and they're winning the road games. Good for them. But again, this is game seven. And there's a ton of experience on the other side of the ice. And the Bruins didn't bring it. I didn't see it for for a moment. Bennington was incredible early. And then St. Louis completely catapulted off of his strong start and dominated. I felt like they just dominated. Well, talk about capitalizing on your opportunities. I mean, that... Having guys come up big in the clutch, like that Petrangelo goal I, I point back to, uh, end of the first period, uh, walked in, put one uh, backhand right oh, upstairs. I, oh, I want to talk about that Just one too. Just an I, outstanding I goal. Um, unbelievably timely um, for him to also rush in on that chance and Read take advantage of it. Uh that was the Marshan change. That's a that was a yeah real piss poor change there, and some you could tell Marshan was definitely hurt because he was just disengaged. I thought through a lot of the series. Yeah, that line altogether did not produce uh, anywhere near the rate it had previously. Um, but that that Petrangelo goal was huge because it it just gave them they gave them something to be like hey we we can do this like even though we got outplayed all fucking period here we are up two one. It's true. You know, we're we're in a good place here, and it 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 basically um, it helped them hit the reset button. I felt like because from there they didn't look back; they were just cruising from there. And they played; they might not possess the puck as much as Boston, but the way they boxed them out and kept them from any high danger areas was incredibly a impressive. A like, unit. They played solid de- defense despite being outshot and outchanced. They played as a team, uh, a strong team effort from top to bottom. 
They had depth scoring all the way through the series, including Game 7. And the way I let off my point to you was that the Bruins didn't bring it, and specifically Rask. I don't know what happened. Rask was... Just a bad game at the right time, yep. eh? because there was yep. no there was no sign that that was going to happen. And he, like and you, you thought, I thought Game Seven was going to be a goalie battle. I was he, I was thinking of a one two one type hockey game. Everyone here. was betting the under, man. Yeah. Come on, the two goalies that have been absolutely tearing it up in the playoffs here. And that's not I don't want to put them down to say that those were bad goals because they were good opportunities that they capitalized on because they scored on each one of them. Well, let me. But those are times though when the co- as the coaches like to say. Would have been nice to get a save there, right? Right, but let me let me bring you back to the Petrangelo one when you brought that goal up, and I wasn't sure. I don't think you were sure if I knew which one you were talking about. The only reason why I know for sure is because I didn't like that goal from Rask. Right, like I know Petrangelo made a nice read. I understand it's a very high scoring opportunity, but I also understand how insanely difficult it can be to score on a goaltender specifically in Game 7 of the Stanley Cup fucking Finals. Those are the games where every save is made, Lesko. And the only time one goes in is the one that deflected off of Sean Corrali. I'm not blaming Rask for the deflection off Sean Corrali. Do I think he still could have had it because he had about 35 feet after the deflection? Yes, I think he could have. But am I blaming him for it going in? No. On the Petrangelo goal, though, I'm blaming him. He, the pass came over and it was clear to fucking everyone that Petrangelo was either going to snap one or deke. And he deked and it was just a backhander and he, he didn't even like hold on to it. Let's go. He just did a deke shot. Right? Yeah. Deke shot. Deke shot. And I don't it's think a, it's the blocker. And he should have blockered it away. I think he, he just really bit on, on the initial shot because he's probably thinking like, I mean, how often we've seen Petrangelo go on a, on a dangle and roof one backhand. Yeah. Probably never. No, true. You know, yeah, I'd there's, li- there's if no there's video work. out there, I'd like to yeah. see it. Yeah. So I'm just wondering if he just thought, okay, this is going to be a quick shot from a defender, which is often the play from a defender. And I was really impressed how how Petrangelo just coolly and calmly went and and hammered that goal out. Like it was just... Oh, he just walked it right in. He did in. it so casually. He walked it right in. He could have done the walking man after his celebration, and that which was, would have been fucking hilarious. I think that really brings my next point. It's kind of just about veterans and veteran presence in the in the NHL. And I think uh, Boston and St. Louis is a good example of, you know, having guys who've been there, done that, and how important that is in the playoffs. Um, but to take away from it, in a sense is that the St. Louis Blues had no players with Stanley Cup rings on their team. Right, but that's it. those two things aren't really... I don't think they should go hand in hand. I like what you said the first time. Yeah. The experience, because you know what? No, I think the, I think the playoff has been around experience. for exactly. so long. And, and Alex Dean's another guy I wanted to point to Just as well. Just because they don't have rings, it doesn't mean that they don't... Exactly, yeah. and I think my, my where my, I was going with this is that I think the whole he has a ring thing is very, very overrated or um, shouldn't really be in the conversation when we're talking about value because we hear it all the time with coaches. Oh, that coach has a ring. If you get a a ring as a coach, it seems to guarantee you a a job opportunity for 15 years. Yeah. I mean, guys like Randy Carlisle have been riding that for forever Yeah, because you have a ring. But it keeps you around, right? There's so many players out there that don't have rings. It's almost like trying to argue a player today playing back when Wayne played. It's kind of the same idea. Yeah, you can kind of talk about it because they, they they both play hockey and they're both amazing. 
but you can't really talk about it because there's just no way to fucking even try and say, well, if he had the equipment or whatever, you know, right. you, you can't have those conversations. And with guys that haven't won, it's kind of the same idea in the sense that are you really going to sit there and tell me that during Henrik Lundqvist's prime years, you wouldn't have wanted him in hindsight, in hindsight, because he doesn't have a ring. You would be like, nah, I don't want him. Yeah, I think it's just overvalued. Like, I think it's something that people are like, oh, well, and I'm sure it happens right in front offices too when they're discussing signing guys or trading for guys. They, oh, they look so. at that Stanley Cup ring and they're like, this guy's done it. But a guy who's played, you know, 150 playoff games versus a guy who played 20 and has a ring, I think I value one of those things much differently. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. I would definitely tend anyway, to Anyway, I think the most positive news, though, of the St. Louis Blues winning the Stanley Cup is that Tyler Bozak is now a Stanley Cup champion. I had a really extended... Uh, clapping, like I was applauding. For I went to bed after I saw him lift it, I'm pretty sure, because that's I, what I stayed up for. I was clapping. Uh, I clapped for a while. Good for good for you, Bozy. And interestingly enough, much like his old pal Phil Kessel, the year he leaves the Leafs, he wins the Stanley Cup. Yeah, of course, everyone's <laughs> looking at that. But we had some former Leaf presence on there. We got yeah. Steen, we got Gunnarsson is there as well. Yeah, listen, and I noticed they gave the cup uh, They gave the cup right over to uh, Steen, Bo- or Bowmeister, and then to Steen, right? So Yeah, so let me ask you a question about that, by the way. I feel like maybe I'm the only one. I said it to a couple people, and they were both like, oh, yeah, I didn't even really notice. I felt like it stuck out to me like a like a sore thumb. I couldn't believe that Petrangelo, a didn't kiss it, and b he only had it for like three point eight seconds. Yeah, I and think, then gave it away. I think he's deferring to the veterans there. Like, no, right I know, away, but like, he is the captain. Like, and he did selly. No, no. Let's yeah, say, he did a bit of a selly. Let's say he did the Joe Sackick, and he yeah. literally didn't even selly. He just gave it to Ray Bork. Right. Remember. Let's say he did that. Then I'm not asking this question. But he took it from Gary. He was like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I think he dropped an F-bomb. Fuck yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he gave it to Bowmeister. And I was like, man, as a part of that initial fucking celebration, how do you not Rod Brendamore that thing? I think it's just the time, type of guy he is, man. I he guess, just, yeah. But everyone just, else did. Bowmeister did immediately. Because you look at a guy like Bowmeister, man. That guy's been around forever, man. He's been on good teams deep in the playoffs several times. Oh, yeah. You know, He was with Calgary, Calgary before yeah. that. And uh, I thought it was pretty interesting, actually. So Steen and Bowmeister have both won the cup after playing over 1,000 games in the NHL. Um, they were both selected in the first round of the 2002 draft. Oh, interesting. Of course, Steen by the Maple Leafs and Bowmeister right. by Florida Panthers. Oh, right. So, yeah, that was uh, an interesting year. And probably not too many guys still remaining from that draft class, I would think. Man, Bo Meester was such a dynamic player when he was in Florida. I'm not saying he's not anymore or whatever. I'm just like, when you can remember... The he's a role player now, but he used to be a dominant force. Yeah, like I remember, I remember using the Florida Panthers like in NHL. In NHL, like what would it have been? Oh seven, oh eight, whatever. Like you know, and he was just like super fast and a wicked hands in in whatever game I was. Playing. And he could crush people. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. like choosing Florida because of Bowmeister. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So congratulations to those guys. That was pretty awesome. Yeah, fucking um, right. Of course, of course, Ryan O'Reilly, um, very deserving of the Conn Smythe. I believe we did call that if St. Louis won. Right. Um, and and he uh, of course got his f bomb in post game. So casual. Slip of the tongue there, and he was apologizing like he felt terrible. About Who's he it. with? Uh, Scott, Scott Oak? Oak, yeah, Scott Oak, yeah, yeah. and he was just like, "Oh, sorry," and like Scott Oak played off cool. He's like, "Yeah, I was," like he was expecting it, and that's 
I mean, that's one of my favorite parts of like the trophy awarding broadcast portion of it all is the completely uncensored reaction. I know, I noticed they try and filter out some of it. Yeah, here and there, like I don't know how they use cutting the mics here and there, but yeah, it's interesting. Well, there's a little bit of a delay, right? Like they they obviously have a slight delay, so yeah, it's weird. Some of them you know land and some of them don't, but I guess I was I was hopeful in the. in the highlight that I clipped for the intro for this episode, I was hopeful that I was going to hear one because the boys were like, well, you know, losing. I was hoping that someone was going to be like, fucking right. But, you know, like Jonathan Taze did it before, right? When they won, um, boys did a great fucking job. And then remember his reaction? Oh, yeah, He's like, yeah. Ooh. Like, <laughs> and then he said, I think he said the next day his grandma was going to give him trouble. It's, it's a cute thing kind of you know because you swear and it's not good but then it instantly becomes well, who's like getting that like who's writing the crtc here filing complaints because of well you slipping in after you can't anyway because it is advertised as a, live, a live sport. a live yeah, event yeah. and you know i mean let's be honest a disclaimer with well it. let's be honest people were watching the wwf when owen hart fucking fell to his death you know like yeah. they can't predict these things they right. don't want anyone to be able to see these things but yeah, i mean it's, it's swearing at some point we need to just get over this like, yeah unlike people like me who just love it so i love it but uh I know, I know O'Reilly, O'Reilly was kind of the MVP for the Blues this year. I, there's a good argument, I think, that can be made for Bennington and his incredible run. And this guy's in a hell of a position now. Uh, he's up for a contract. And, I mean, he's just going to say, I got, I got you a cup, so pay me. And I'm a nominee. I'm not going to win the Calder, but I'm a nominee. Yeah. I think you might have a couple of ballots that show Jordan Bennington. I wouldn't be surprised. It's just the, he doesn't have a big enough file, you know, like he only joined the team in whatever it was, late December. December and January, I believe. You know, so he doesn't have as big a file. It's it's kind of similar to um, the Jack Adams, same team, Greg Berube. To get Berube. Can you vote for Berube? It's tough, right? Because he was only there for half the season versus a guy like Trotz or whatever. I'd like to see Trump. This is why I feel like the playoffs need to be included in some of these award conversations. I mean, you know, the Jack Adams is a good example of that as an award that should, should definitely have weight. You know, the playoffs should have weight in that, in the voting in that. My, uh, my biggest complaint with the awards specifically is how they're voted upon. I don't like that fucking journalists vote on it. It doesn't make any sense to me. It should be, coaches or GMs or maybe even players but that's that's a little that's a little much to ask of the players they always they already do fucking polls and all this other shit but it's got to be someone that has really no bias you can't because you would just say you can't vote for your own players these are the people who are supposed to have no bias though right but the thing is I think there's an inherent bias of most of the journalists are based in a certain area and are watching other teams more frequently than others. Oh, they, and it's often been cited as a reason for, for why more of the awards may have gone in that direction. Yeah, the East Coast bias is a real thing. And another real thing was people discussing when Drew Doughty won his Norris. The discussion partly was that it was just, they felt it was time for Doughty to get his due. And they got two birds stoned at once because not only did they give Doughty his due, they silenced the critics that said, oh, all you do is give it to the East, give it to the East, give it to the East. So they kind of, there was a little bit of kerfuffle on that. I don't know how much I buy into it, but yeah, my biggest complaint is that the writers, I I hear what you're saying. They're supposed to be unbiased, but realistically, there's no one more unbiased 
and tuned in than I think coaches. And the uh, the writers vote on the Conn Smythe as well. Yeah, I I used to have it broken down as to which ones. There, it's not all of them. Yeah, it's not all. Of I them, think yeah. we may have discussed it on the pod before. We might have. Um, anyway, back to the Blues. Um, I really got to think that Doug Armstrong is the real MVP here. Guy's been there for a long time. He's built that team over several years, and it's actually interesting to trace back if you want to go through some of the trade trees that brought some of the guys there. And and the guy just he made ballsy moves this year. Like he said, it, it, very similar to the Raptors and Masai Ujiri. I've heard that too. Fuck it. We're going for it. I've heard that too. We're doing what's necessary here. The status quo is not going to cut it anymore. Like, you know, firing the coach midseason, getting a guy in there, letting the coach have have the reins to bring up a a fucking goalie that, you know, might not have gotten a shot otherwise. Oh, dude, you know what? Stay on point here. But you know what? I want to direct our listeners and I'm going to do it too. One of our episodes in February is called February Blues because they go on a, a tear, right? Don't they go on a fucking yeah, yeah. tear? Yeah, they were, they were on a huge heater. I, I'm interested to see what, what kind of things we were saying back then, dude, because at the, up until that point or, or, or a month before, the Blues were garbage. So every, every time we would talk about them, if we ever even did, because let's be honest, they were garbage, right? If we ever talked about them, it was probably not very good at all. And then all of a sudden they turned it around and I wonder how maybe Lesko was buying in to their turnaround and maybe I was like, I don't know, man. It could look at Buffalo. Buffalo won 10 straight and they still suck dick. I was too. pretty high on them coming <laughs> in, especially after they defeated the Jets. Like I I, th- I thought they had a clear shot at it for sure. But I yeah, I don't I don't recall what we were saying back at the time. I think I remember using the phrase good team performing poorly. And Okay, yeah, yeah. You know, so it, it it wasn't unfathomable. I'm not even going to try to say that word. Yeah, I'm not even going to try. Um, but it, it's not unheard of for them to make <laughs> to make the playoffs even um, in that in that position. I know it's 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 still groundbreaking. Worst it's still affairs. incredible, and it's still the best story we could have possibly asked for. So does it kill the whole American Thanksgiving thing? It's got to, and it just I think it's. It's a good message to teams and players because it's it's not going to be true for everybody, okay? Like it's not going to be true for the Ottawa Senators last right, year, right? But for a team like St. Louis, that's a good team performing poorly, you can't write your team off because we, man, we were talking about the St. Louis Blues, and I do remember bringing this up on the episode when those trade rumors started to leak about Petrangelo potentially getting shipped out. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know them hitting the reset button, Tarasenko, right? Too. But instead. You know they went they went big like and and you think about what Doug Armstrong did in acquiring Ryan O'Reilly said you know center's not good enough we go out and get a first line center we plug in some veterans Pat Maroon I mean those acquisitions especially the smaller depth ones don't look huge but in a playoff run that's where they really pay dividends well you hind- got that veteran experience hindsight is twenty twenty as we all know and. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm really interested to see what what our takes were back in February when they started to turn it around. But we've come full circle with your Doug Armstrong point and the guys you brought up, the O'Reillys and the Maroons of the world, and the fact that you said Doug Armstrong is potentially the or probably the MVP. 
And maybe the best move he made all year was the one that he didn't. Correct. Right? Correct. And I mean, he had he had his fingers on the nuclear codes. I'm sure he did. And it had been a, a conversation they had internally. Well, did the- you see the article? Uh, was it maybe just a couple of days after or a week after? I read something about like how he had said that he was on, like he was ready. Oh, to- like it, so, like how close he actually was to being like fuck it and pulling the plug. Very. Yeah, and I mean after like losing can, especially losing badly can can lead to rash decisions. We've seen it lots in the NHL, especially uh, early playoff exits. Ottawa, Colorado and come to mind. Yeah, so you have a team that you've put together that you think has a chance to compete for the t- cup, and in January you're in last place. You're probably thinking about going, you know, blowing it all up. It has to be a thought because you're thinking not only are we underperforming, but I may have gotten this all wrong. The composition of this team. Yeah, and you know what, dude? Like, we won't won't hang on them for too much longer. But they're an interesting team to talk about. Before the season started, all I heard when I was on the radio, or when I was well, actually, I was on the radio, but <laughs> <laughs> no, when I was listening to the radio or reading some articles, were most of the time everyone's kind of chalky, right? That's the way it is when you read the media. It's pretty chalky, and then that that ends up filtering down the mountain, and the fans drink the Kool Aid. And that leads everyone else to be kind of chalky. And with the Blues, I found a lot of kind of 50-50. Some people were like, I'm really high on the Blues. What they've done, I like it a lot. I think they're going to be a team that could contend for a cup. Book it. And then there were people on the other side being like, I don't think this was the right move at all. I think blah, blah, blah. These players coming in, it's not going to be very good. And I was interested to see... Like once once it was determined that they were going to be making it, and let's be honest, they didn't just go worst. They didn't just snake into the playoffs, right? Like they they put their fingerprint on the playoffs pretty early, I think, right? Oh yeah, I mean they were they were the team, and I recall a few people saying this like on the radio and shit that this is a team you don't want to play in the playoffs. Yeah, because they were they're coming player. in hot. Yeah, like they didn't just squeak in because they almost ran out of time. You know, like right. Philly was trying to squeak in and then they lost a couple and it was over. St. Louis wasn't trying to squeak in. What I'm saying is it was really fun to to cover like or not cover them but follow them into the spring as they played as this team that was, you know, touted by some to be a lottery team. Well, maybe not lottery, but outside the playoffs looking in and other people saying that they could contend. And I think if you're one of those people that isn't a St. Louis blue fan, um, you know, you're able to say that I called them to be a contender. You should probably feel pretty good about that. Cause I don't think a lot of people were in your camp there. Yeah. And I, I just think people weren't entirely sold on the O'Reilly thing just because of how rough shit had been in Buffalo over the last couple of years. Um, I don't think anyone doubted his abilities as a top-line center. It was just, how is this going to work out? You know, like, we, we don't know how it's going to work out. You never really know until you see the product, right? Yeah, and that's true. I think they, I think they kind of... And people might have been really questioning that. Like, I would love to go back and read what some St. Louis journalists were putting out back in the in the fall months in November, December, December about the team, right? And just just for them to overcome this is is really incredible. And it's it, like I said, it's the best possible ending to one of the best like stories we've probably seen in the NHL in quite some time. I would have to agree. Yeah, I might put like if Calgary were to have won the Cup in two thousand and four. That might have been right up there too. Oh yeah, that was a good run that yeah. they were on, and that, that kind of captivated the nation almost at the same time. 
Yeah, so I think I think you're right though. There definitely is a lesson to be taken here for teams that you know if you do have a good team and it is underperforming, that all hope is not lost and your season can be salvageable. But I think the allure of bottoming out is so appealing now for teams. Yeah, it's true, especially but, in certain draft classes. But let me ask you one more as a follow up to what you just said. Your whole uh, moral of the story: kids never give up. Go cover to cover, you know. <laughs> Um, if Jordan Binnington isn't Jordan Binnington, are we, I don't think we're having this conversation, right? I so don't, I don't think that kind of affects just the because, moral of the story. Well, you know, uh, yeah. Right. The thing is about goaltenders is like, you can win on above slightly above average goaltending. If you have a really good team, right? Corey Crawford, and he's a, he's a good example of someone who has, he's done both, right? Cause they're a pretty strong defensive team. But he's also like basically stolen them games or just given them the saves they needed at the right time. And and goalie in hockey's funny. It's it's such an important position. I mean, the only comparables outside of the sport have to be what quarterback and football, pitcher and baseball, maybe. Yeah, you know what I mean. But not like even, not even because you don't even well quarterback. Yeah, yeah. The whole the whole game is pretty much hinging on your performance because you can win or lose your team a, a game and a series. Yeah, I mean, I just. I don't want to discredit. It's, it's everything. Everything went right at the end of the day. Yes, and I think that's you know, what makes it such a great say, story. You can say that about a lot of championship teams, but I mean, it's it's a really good example of just kind of everything falling into place at the right time. And I and I think it's important too, and and sometimes maybe uh, a bit underrated, but peaking at the right time is huge too. I'm really interested to see where he goes moving on because I have him on one of my rosters currently for like Yahoo. So we don't have to have our selections in for keepers until like middle of September. And then everyone chooses their five keepers and everything else goes back into the draft. I might have to keep Bennington. Like, do you think I should keep Bennington? I have Freddie as a one. And ideally, I would like to have a two. Especially if he re-signs in St. Louis. That's what I'm saying. I mean, St. Louis has to How does he not? They have to find a way to sign this guy. I don't care if it involves putting Jake Allen on the first plane to the KHL. (laughs) Dude, Bennington was nearly... Like, he was in the conversation for the fucking Conn Smythe. Okay, like, he's Matt Murray. He's Matt Murray right now. Essentially, yeah. Next year, if they win again, he will be Matt Murray because he'll probably be a rookie again. Yeah, like I, I, I still can't, I still can't believe it in a sense that it all came together and happened. But it felt like they were Destiny's team, and I was worried it was going to be a Cinderella type thing. But man, there, there was no reason they couldn't have won. They had, they had it all, right? They, they've got, like I said, that veteran core, strong D, the goaltending, the goal scoring. Yeah, they had every facet of their game going in that series. And like, I only ended up picking up Bennington because he was getting starts over Allen, and it was early. And I was like, "Fuck, I might as well just get on this," you know. So I dropped Allen and I picked up Bennington, and then went went for the ride. So I guess that's kind of where I'm coming from earlier when I said I was following the Blues. I wasn't necessarily following the Blues. I was rooting for Jordan Bennington, my recent goalie right, right. free agent pickup in my pool that was killing it for me. And I feel like at some point. Uh, in the pod back in the early spring slash late winter, I was probably all bragging about my Jordan Bennington pickup, you know, and and now here he is a Stanley Cup champion. So uh, maybe some of these episodes do have playbacks. By the way, I was looking at some of our stats and there's like, there's lots of playback going on, like from 
earlier episodes, which is kind of, yeah, it is interesting. I don't know if those are new listeners or if those are old listeners playing back episodes that they enjoyed. Who knows? Hopefully it's both. So we got anything else in the cup final or are we wrapping that up? Now we can wrap that up. Congratulations. Yeah, I'm feeling pretty Lewis. good. I, I, I always like it when a team that doesn't win wins or like hasn't won before won. I agree. But when that other team is Boston, it's just a little bit more sweet. For yeah, us. it's a little sweeter. I hate to be that Mr. Bitter fan who's got to cheer against someone. And I, I wasn't. Like, I was cheering for the Blues. But, I mean, I didn't watch a whole lot of the finals, especially in the games when the Bruins were winning. I was like, fuck that. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. See, I'm not necessarily like, I wouldn't put myself on the same level as like some Sens fans hate the Leafs. I wouldn't oh, go, yeah. I don't think I it's that, that passionate. But, but fuck them, right? Fuck them. Yeah, I don't hate them. But earlier when you were when you were like, oh, you could really tell Marshan was injured. I was gonna be like, fuck him. <laughs> but I just didn't. <laughs> you bit it, your tongue for a second. Yeah, it was the it only was good storyline I really would have bought into. It would be Chara winning the cup because the fact that the guy's still playing is is nothing short of incredible. And also that he was playing with his fucking mouth sewn shut. Fuck him. <laughs> but no right uh, you're, you're you're yeah you make a good point chero is i mean he's just a beast yeah the blues is still the better story ultimately and of course one and i feel like all is right in the world toronto raptors won the blues won it was exciting and happy spring for me and lots of firsts man like capitals won their first last year raptors win their first blues win their first Maybe the Leafs win our first. You got to love it, man. It's good for the sport, man. Did you see the footage, too, of the St. Louis fans? They not only filled uh, the stadium, but they filled the baseball fucking stadium, too, in the pouring fucking rain. I said that. Someone told me it, it was a St. Louis Cardinals game. I said, dude, did you no. see the fucking baseball stadium was full and they had it on the jumbo jumbotron yeah. at center field? And the guy's like, no, it, that was a game. They had a the Cardinals were playing. And I was like, oh. I'm pretty sure it was just people there to watch the game. Yeah. Because I saw a ton of fucking Blues jerseys. So posing a question then, does, was this a missed opportunity Absolutely. for MLSE for Absolutely. not filling all the barns? Absolutely it was. And it I know been they fucking, probably have... Scotiabank Arena, Rico Coliseum, and the fucking Sky Dome should have all been pumped full. Yeah, and BMO Field. You know, and like, BMO Field. How the fuck did they not do that? They could have been filling all their buildings... Um, selling concessions, like maybe not uh, Blue Jays because they're not owned by MLSE, but ultimately they're owned by a company that owns the same shit. So yeah, I don't know, man. And and I I brought this up to someone too, and it's got to be some kind of corporate deals that interfere with one another, or they just want the people in the streets because it looks dope. I'm not really sure. <laughs> I don't know, but I mean, I, I brought it up to someone. I couldn't and, think of a good reason. Well, why someone not. someone said to me like the capacity would be too much to handle for staff and shit but but realistically though like they're they have the manpower to to be prepared for a a full building i was at a fucking full building js game in 2015 right or whenever whatever year it was yeah it's possible i guess maybe the i don't know they just don't have the staff on hand because of you know, they say that like the Leaf season's done, nobody's playing in the arena, but they have the Raptor stuff. Like I, I don't I don't know what the logistics would look like, but I feel like they, they could it. have made a lot more money than they did. Well they, they they said Jurassic Park may be moved inside due to increment weather. What do you mean maybe moved inside? Right. Why don't you fucking have people inside? Because if you if you were filling the barns too, like you would bring in more people because I feel like people might not go down to Jurassic Park because they're like, I don't want to wait. 
twelve hours to get to get in there. And, but I'll pay twenty five dollars to get in and be that far away. But yeah, I'll pay twenty fifty. Probably people pay a lot more than that. I agree to go in there, have a nice seat. You know, like I, you notice the demographic of people down at Jurassic Park is predominantly young, right? Oh like yeah. It, like even even myself, I'm not old by any means, but being around that many people for that long of time, I don't know if I'd be able to put up with it. Yeah, that's a good point. I think I maybe you know grin and bear it for like the fucking Leafs, but got a lot of vaping. Other than that, I don't got a lot of vaping. A lot of vaping. A lot of vaping and a lot of texting. Yeah, I mean, what are the, what are people doing? They're waiting there all fucking day under tarps and like in the streets in line and in those crowds, like really shitting and pissing on the ground and. I don't know. It must have been real gritty down there. Eat a lot of cheese or something. Fuck. <laughs> it just sounds just it's just too gritty for me. All right. What's next? Uh, a couple of NHL news and notes. Eric Carlson signs a monster deal with the San Jose Sharks. I figured they were going to get this done. Yeah, the only thing that I was wondering about with Carlson was if a team was going to be willing to go ahead and do this max thing. Um, right. You know, based on his recent injuries and, you know, I guess no one really knows if he was actually like consistently injured during the time when he wasn't getting any points because I had him in my fantasy and there was a long time where he didn't get any points. I think a lot of that had to do with the adjustment to San Jose as well. Come on. Eric Carlson. I know, but it's a completely different role than what he was used to playing right I he used guess. to be the guy i guess but i mean they they must have all the confidence in the world that he's going to be returning at 100 percent health well and their medical staff been working know? with him since he got there right so they have the inside track on whether or not he's he's going to bounce back or if you know they think he's going to bounce back and obviously they they made the space and were willing to pay him i'm racking my brain right now because i might I, I don't even remember if I still have him. And I think that's why I'm concerned is because I think I, I might still have him and he's one of my keeper D at the look at my team. But anyways, I'm not going to say that I'm concerned, but I'm also not going to say that like this was a home run out of the park for both sides. I think it's a home run out of the park for Carlson. And it's, uh, I don't know. I think it might, I think it's questionable for San Jose. I don't think, I think San Jose has to do it. I think that's, that's the position they're in. Um, you know, we always talk about your Stanley Cup windows, and maybe the Sharks have been in one forever. But yeah, if they're gonna point. if they're gonna remain in one for years to come, it's you know they they can't pass up an opportunity to lock him down, right? Boardman gets paid, D man gets paid, D man gets paid. <laughs> right on. Yeah, I don't mean to say that it's questionable because I don't think Carlson's gonna perform. I don't. I actually think that Carlson will. No, but perform. the injury risk is high, and that yeah. might have been one of the reasons he didn't go to July one because he would have to spend a lot of time convincing teams that he that he was okay. Whereas the Sharks are like, yeah, okay, we we know you're okay, we know you're gonna be all right. So good point. We have the confidence to to pay you, and also the San Jose Sharks knowing full well. We better offer this guy what he's going to get in the open market, and we have a good feeling that he's going to get 10, 11. Yeah, it's true. It's not like the Sharks are going to be like, oh, here's our fucking medical history from the last uh, however many yeah, months exactly. he was with the team, you know? So, yeah, interesting one, though. I think it's a, it's going to be a, a good one to follow, uh, you know, starting as early as October just to see if, uh, if he hits the ground running, you know? And I think the expectation would be that, yes, he would. Would you not expect him, let's go to put up uh you know maybe 15 or 18 points in the first month of the season probably i would hope so 10 to 15 i mean it wouldn't be 
unheard of for him to do that, right? But what if he only gets like six, you know, and everyone's like, oh, what's going on? Like, <laughs> you know, I don't know. That's just the nature of, of the hockey media, right? Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so whoever put out that story or leaked that story or made up that fucking story about Eric Carlson potentially being interested in going back to Ottawa. That's a, that's a mean troll job. Like whoever did that is an asshole. And uh, believe me, we've, we've slang our fair share of shit over to the senators. Yeah. But that's but just who, rude. Whoever, whoever fucking fucked with the fans like that. Yeah. That's, that's rough. Yeah. But realistically though, like hopefully those fans were also tuning into the pucks and D podcast. Cause we let them know that it wasn't happening. It wasn't happening. You just know that it's not happening. And anyone that was like, Oh, you know, you're just like, Oh man. Like, no, I didn't think it was real back. for a second. Not a second. I th- okay. The, the, the confidence that I had that Carlson had a chance to come back was about as confident that Jack Maxwell isn't Eugene. <laughs> Yeah, it didn't. It didn't make any sense, and there was nothing to like corroborate it or legitimize any aspect of that. So, I think that was a pile of shit. And whoever did that is a dick. Oh, but his wife is from Ottawa. Yeah, well, whatever. I and mean, then people said, "Well, maybe Montreal might make more sense because at least it's kind of close." No, San Jose, staying yeah. in Cali. Let's come back to Montreal where I can only drive one way down the street <laughs> on every other fucking street. You don't you don't drive around Montreal, man. Well, yeah. You go you go down there, you park your car for the weekend and then that's it. Yeah, good point. I haven't been to Montreal as an adult like to you know, go do things, party. I don't really tend to party very. So you often. haven't been there, basically, is what you're saying. No, I mean I was there. Like my sister went to school there yeah, for several years, McGill. So I've been to Montreal. I've been around Montreal. I can kind of probably get my way around a certain area because I know it. But I haven't been down there to like be myself. Same same argument that I have with the Leafs. I've never the team has never been good while I've been an adult. <laughs> you know, like now I'm an adult. The team is fucking wicked. It's fun. You know, I mean I say wicked. They can't get out of the first round, but you know what I mean. And that's one of the reasons I was. To when I was talking to like non-basketball fans about tuning into the Raptors. I'm like, think about it. It's been 24 years. They never even made the NBA Finals. Like, this is history for one. But for two, think of it if it's 25 years before they do it again. I'm going to be 50-something, and it won't be as fun. No. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, I mean, even 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 for the Leafs, man, like, it's it's so long. We have to do something. Like they have to get out past the first round. Okay, back on track. Yeah, I'm spinning off. Um, so interesting deal. Kevin Hayes got acquired by the Philadelphia Flyers um, from the Winnipeg Jets. The Winnipeg Jets had acquired Kevin Hayes as a deadline rental, where they gave up a first round pick, I believe. Um, they actually managed to get a first round pick back in that trade because it was, I believe, a conditional, if I'm not mistaken. Sure, I'm following what you're throwing down. Oh, yeah, okay. This I'm is just, just following what you're throwing me. down. Anyway, if you're, if so... fake news, it's on you. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> so, so it was an interesting trade because you don't see it that often where guys trade for rights in, in that window. I mean, for somebody you know of that caliber, it can be worth it. And it was announced, I believe, yesterday that Philadelphia had signed to a seven-year, $7.7 million contract. Now... Why the overpayment? When was the, the question? I when think. was the more like when was the last time an overpayment of this magnitude happened? 
There's probably a few examples, but I can't. Dustin Penner. I can't. Can wait to, it, it it's reminiscent of such of those. Dustin Penner's right? offer sheet. Except Dustin Penner got one because he was like a cup champ or something, wasn't he? Well, he signed the offer sheet. He scored which, thirty which is Genos. That's a little bit different, right? So I have nothing against Kevin Ace. He's a great depth centerman for any team. This is not good for right? negotiations. But I mean, if you're Philly, and I understand Philly's one of those teams where we go back to windows. And we talked about Philly before in this context that they need to do some stuff to take advantage of the the talent level that they have on their team currently. Like, do what? Make the playoffs? But Well, some first steps. Well, fuck, man. <laughs> but I mean, in terms of addressing needs, right? Sure. So, But they bring this guy at 7.7, so he's 27 years old. He's hit 20 goals once and has hit his career high is 49 points, and he made 7-7. Seven, seven. Man, this... People are bitching about Nylander getting... Fucking, what do you get? Six, six, nine, six, seven. Nine. Well, seven. He got seven. So he got seven. People are bitching about Nealander because he's never got thirty goals and he get paid seven. Dude, it's so it, it really throws a wrench into your perception of hockey economics here, right? Man, th- this signing makes no sense to me. The, the the trade makes no sense, and then the signing. The trade might make less sense than the signing, if that can make any, if that makes any sense to you, because I don't understand why you would. Give away an asset only to acquire the rights to negotiate for basically a couple of weeks before he's already able to negotiate with you. And let me further that and let me follow that up with the fact that you're going to throw 7 7 at the guy. Like, are you telling me that you felt you had to get in front of it and? Make sure that you had the rights to this guy because we want to give him 7-7 seven, seven and we don't think that that's going to be good enough? You know what I'm getting at, dude? Like, yeah. why would they acquire his rights and then give him 7-7? Seven, seven? Nobody in the fucking league was going to give him 7-7. Seven, seven. See, see I, don't, I don't know because free agency is crazy, right? This is when GMs make crazy decisions and give people way too much money. It's very typical. So I'm assuming the overpayment was justified by them saying, if we don't give this guy enough he's just gonna walk and we lost an asset for nothing right i would love an 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 anonymous poll amongst all the other gms and just say without thinking you have offered without thinking too heavily on this what is your price tag for kevin hayes it's almost like they gave him leverage by acquiring him knowing that they were that desperate to sign him and be like, all right, you got to pay me this much or I'm going to free agency. Exactly. That's the thing that I heard on the radio. Really, you have like, to blow him out of the water. If you would ask me a week ago, what's the top of the mark for Kevin Hayes free agency? I would, I probably would have said six. Six. Maybe. Maybe, dude. Yes. Because how much potential, you're, you're not paying for potential here. I mean, this guy is, he is, he is who he is, right? I don't even really know who he is. That's the bad thing about it, dude. I watch a ton of hockey. I know who Kevin Hayes is, okay? I know. I know he was a Ranger player. I had him yeah. in the pool at one point. I think I, I know he's a good hockey player, but 7-7, seven, seven, man. I think because of the Rangers and who they've been might be deflating his stats somewhat over the last couple of years, but still, that's this, a, I, I never would have predicted he would have gotten that kind of contract on the open market, let alone you know with the team. This makes the Skinner deal look like an underpayment. A little bit, and a lot of people were calling Skinner's deal an overpayment, but Buffalo no, had but no that, fucking choice. No, but right? that's what I'm saying. Skinner's deal was a slight overpayment, but he's a different he's a different breed. He, he's similar to Kevin Hayes, but he's but he's integral. Does he's, Philly he's know in, something we don't know? That's what I'm wondering. <laughs> 
And I don't know where, like, where are the Flyers going after this Hayes signing, man? We should have had Rich call in. They're loading up. They've got to be loading up. I, they're not done. And they've already they've already made two adjustments on D, which I don't think we're going to get to because I can't even remember the personnel involved. It was it was mainly depth moves um, where they acquired Justin Braun from the San Jose Sharks. Yeah. And they yeah. trade away Gudis to someone. Yes. See, look how up to Dan. But anyway, they've already they've already made some tinkering, so you gotta think that there's there's more moves to come here for them. Because like I said, it, going back to the Windows conversation, guys like Jake Voracek and Claude Giroux aren't getting any younger. No, I don't think they're getting any worse necessarily, but no, you're right. No, Father but like, time waits for no man. Exactly. Like they've they've got to get bold and and it even you can even take it back to the blues, right? The blues made moves. Now mm-hmm. they didn't throw seven point seven at depth centerman. Dude, that's not good for the RFAs. No, because it's going to... not it's, good. Well, the UFAs and RFAs, essentially, because apparently if you're, uh, if you're a depth... He, she's not even a centerman. I keep saying he's a centerman. No. He's a fucking winger. Or no, wait. I think he might be a centerman because they were talking on the radio about how... Oh, yes, yes, because Winnipeg had him playing center. They were talking about on the radio yeah, how uh, this, this, move, was, this move doesn't bode well for uh, Nolan Patrick fans. Right, right. What, right, and that's a good point, too. I didn't yeah. want to just regurgitate. Because they're already pretty everything. strong at center, but clearly they like ha- might like having Nolan Patrick on the wing. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Will you flip your shades down, Bob McGowan? Yeah, Make a- it's getting bright in here. <laughs> um, yeah, you know what, dude? Uh, wrapping it up there. If I'm a Blues or um, if I'm a Jets fan, I'm. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. That wasn't. I don't like it. I mean, I guess he was a rental anyway, right? So he was. Yeah, and walk. they got something back for him, and like they, they somewhat erased the, the price they paid. They offset it in a way. Yeah. So good for them, I guess, on that front. Um, I mean, if you're in Winnipeg, you can use every asset you're going to get because odds are we're going to see a, a much different Winnipeg Jets team coming into the season next year because they're another one that has a number of tough decisions to make and a lot of contracts to sign. Yeah, I mean, right? they've already traded Jacob Truba, which is a pretty huge deal right there. Yeah, break that. We haven't broke that yet. Yeah, so Jacob Truba was traded. Uh, I believe that's where, how they managed to acquire a first rounder back. Yeah, to the Rangers and to the Rangers. Why did he want to go and play for the Rangers? Oh, I don't think he quote unquote wanted. Yeah, to. he did. Yes, it's documented that he wanted to like play for the Rangers. Specifically, wanted to. Well, or I, like he was on. It was on their uh, his list of destinations. Uh, I, I don't think he had trade protection. No, but I'm led to believe that he had like a, a heavy influence and and it was one of the main reasons why the trade like the the return for truba do we have that see that's interesting because what did they get what uh, that's interesting to me though because they've had such a rocky relationship over the last few years bitter contract negotiations yes. he held out for a little bit the one year um oh i know dude sorry been- it was his fiance. I got it here. Right. His fiance is studying in medical school in New York. Oh. So yes, I, I'm not. I'm not necessarily saying that he like grew up a Ranger fan or whatever. He's actually from uh, Michigan. So I, ideally, he could he could play for the Red Wings, right? If he had like a, a spot yeah. that he wanted to go to. But apparently, the whole New York thing actually like factored into Winnipeg not getting the return that they would have liked to have gotten. Hmm. Because of the fact that he's RFA, so it's it's a lot more difficult. Like, Still got a first round pick, though. No, of course. No, it's not like it's a bad trade. But I mean, Truba is a pretty dynamic player, man. Like you know, to 
to lose a guy like that and only get what could maybe be a dynamic player in like five or six years. Yeah. Right. Is I guess you're tough. in a tight spot. If he has no desire to resign with you and you don't have the cap space, which is another factor in Winnipeg's decision, you got to get what you can get. Right. Yeah. True. And then sometimes if you go into a, a trade scenario when everyone at the table knows you're screwed, <laughs> like it's exactly, tough yeah. to deal with. So yeah, you're right. They got well, a I good... guess good on the team for accommodating the guy. If that's what he really wanted, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, who doesn't want to play for the New York Rangers, whether they suck or not. Yeah. You're in the big apple. I mean, that's, you're playing for the Rangers, Madison man. Like Square. they're 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 fans that they turn out. They, they're like Leaf fans, man. The team yeah. can suck forever. They just they still show up. I mean, it's still the thing to do downtown New York. And you're still living the dream, basically. And, well, and at the end of the day, who doesn't want to be a multimillionaire living in New York City? Of course, right. Of course. So, yeah, so okay, all right. I think if you're gonna play for a bad team, I'd prefer it be in New York than. Probably a lot of places. Yeah, probably <laughs> you know, like all he, of them. He'll probably, you know, he's American too. He's probably going to like living in fucking New York better than he's li- liked living in Winnipeg the whole time. I was just going to say, <laughs> could you imagine being bad in Winnipeg? Like that would just be like, I mean, you got the worst weather by far. Oh, you'd be far. on suicide watch. You have winter for 13 months. Like that's yeah. a, a pretty difficult scenario. Yeah, there's anyway. always so much, so much partying you can do to offset that. So yeah, I mean, that leaves, it does leave a pretty decent uh, hole on the back end for the Jets though, man. Like that's Yeah, and that's with, uh, I believe Tyler Myers has been rumored to uh, be on the move as well. Um, obviously clearing some cap space for guys like Lion A and whoever else they need to sign. The Jets are kind of like, I mean, I feel like people, I'm not, um, I'm not inventing the wheel here by any means, but I feel like the Jets are the Leafs of the West, kind of, like in the sense that they're kind of in this purgatory area where the team is good enough, it could win, doesn't seem to be able to get there. Um, is it is it coaching? Is it is it personnel? Lots of questions, uh, some moves to be made in the season. I think both teams are going to have a lot of overturn. We've already talked at length about the Leafs and how we think that there's going to be some new faces. Yeah, There definitely will be, whether it be players being called up or players being traded in, traded out. Jets are kind of the same, are they not? Like it's the same idea that they they want to do some tweaking, and if they can get some guys at decent cap hits, then they can you know push themselves over the top. Outside of uh, actually, I was going to say outside of Marner, but excuse me, Marner and Line again, mirror images of one another. These wingers that are very important to the team. Obviously, Marner led the Leafs in scoring, and Line didn't. But you know what I'm getting at. Like they they have two difficult. Our uh, RFA situations to go through, so the teams are kind of trending in the same uh, direction. And yeah, you've got a lot, a lot of young talent that you got to struggle to get under under contract, and you know, at places and numbers and terms that everybody's comfortable with and everybody's happy with. I mean, it's a it's a delicate balance you got to strike, and I mean, those are two two GMs that are are going to have pretty tough and busy summers, absolutely. It's going to be, uh, I've been saying it for a few episodes now, it's going to be probably my favorite offseason in my NHL memory. Not just because of like big names. I'm hoping are- it's eventful because it's built up all the time. And I, th- I know it's the media's job to pump it up because they have shows and shit that they want you to. Oh, but this one, the proof you know, is right in the pudding. Man. I, you got you to gotta figure because there's just going to be lots of news, lots of contracts. I mean, you know, RFA's getting signed isn't a huge story, but I think it is because of the. Oh, it is the, this the, year. The, yeah, because of how much these guys are going to get. Right? Well, it, not even that. It's just the talent. Like we're in the full era now of the of the expiring entry-level contract guys going right up into the elite class of of max deals yeah of the uh 
whatever you want to call it, the pay scale of the NHL. Yeah, they don't want bridges anymore. No, there's not. There's none. Well, of we that. still see bridges. The odd one. True, is a bridge, but it's all it's all cash in time. And if you're if you're the team and they're that young too, like you you often will take term. You know, you'll take the term too yeah. if you can afford to do it. Yeah, see, you're right because Truba had tough negotiations, so he was a bridge because of sour negotiations. It seemed that way, and yeah. it seemed oh, that, definitely. Uh, you know, if you're the player, you want high number and high term, and the Jets probably forecasting over the next few years, knowing like, hey, we can't get bogged down in any more big contracts because you know Line A, Elitters, you know whomever Kyle Connor coming up to get signed, so. The line A deal might be even more interesting than the Marner one to me because, like, you've got a guy that can go twenty games without scoring and then score five. Yeah, are, are, is night. he going to be perceived as inconsistent? Do you think because of his last last year's showing? Listen, if you combine his somewhat inconsistent ability to actually score on a nightly basis, not that you're expecting guys to score every night, but you know, if you're combining that with Sometimes the effort level that you see out there, and I don't want to get full fucking Nick Kiprios and be picking everything apart here and saying that Patrick Laine is not going to be a dynamic player in this league, which is what he did to Mitch Marner (laughs) when Mitch Marner was being drafted, said he would never be an impact player for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I'm not going that far, but I'm saying if you combine the stat sheet with sometimes that, that lack of effort that you do see when he's out there, it can be concerning, I think. And, uh, you know, you got a guy like Mark Shifley, with an AAV of 6.125. I just looked it up. I was just interested because I know that he took a team-friendly deal. Uh, eight years, max deal, took it in 2016 and pays him 6.125. So are you honestly expecting to get more than Mark Shifley if you're Patrick Laine? I'm sure they use that in negotiations, but um, if you look back at the history too, is they managed to get Mark Shifley on that deal prior to him kind of exploding like as a superstar in the league. Right. It was just before the cusp, whereas you got guys like Line who walked in the league and and tore it up. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's, I think it's a little different. I think, I think Line gets the benefit of the doubt just because if you look at his whole body of work, he's been more productive than, than inconsistent, I guess. And one's going to outweigh the other, but I do think it's fair to point out that there are, if you watch him without the puck, there's a lot of concern there. But those are also things, when the guy has the skill set, if you believe you can work with him and, and you know he's the right kind of person for your organization, you can. those are coachable things, right? Okay, so let me throw a better, let me throw a better comparable at you. You're right. I use Shifley because of his name now, and that, that has to do with recency bias. When Shifley signed his deal, he was second... Uh, in team scoring to Blake Wheeler. Blake Wheeler uh, signed his extension at $8.25 million. So, and at, at the age of 32. So that's a better comparable. Are you thinking that you're going to, are you thinking that you're going to be somewhere in between a Shifley and a Wheeler, somewhere in the seven range, maybe a Nylander deal? Is Line A going to take a Nylander deal, do you think? I think that's, that's an probably in- where Winnipeg wants him. I got to think. Yeah. Or less. Yeah. And they're they're going to want it. I think he's going to command eight, eight ish, at least eight to nine, just because of the goal output. Yeah. I think that just because of the value of goals is obviously True. the highest. True. And probably higher than it's ever been. So I they'll, mean, you always put a premium on it. They'll start at eight, 
the Jets will say, no, we want you on the Shifley deal at 6-1, which yeah. is clearly low. And then they'll settle on, yeah, they'll settle on on the Nylander deal. And again, with the fucking comparisons and the similarities, dude, because people were upset with the Nylander deal based on the fact that he doesn't hustle when he doesn't have the puck. Oh, people are always going to be upset. <laughs> no, I know. But like, just funny that, you know, the, the, the characteristics of the player are, even, of the two players are even kind of similar, you know? So... But yeah, yeah it's going to be an interesting summer. So I guess speaking of summer, though, um, for all you listeners out there wondering, we are going to be taking um, we're going to be taking most of the summer off. It sounds like a beach break. <laughs> yeah, taking a beach, beer, break. a long beer break. <laughs> yeah, I like that idea. I mean, um, obviously, we'll just kind of play it by ear, right? Like if we feel like getting together in two or three or four weeks, then we'll get together. Yeah. But in that in that spare time, though, I definitely want to uh, you know at least throw it out to the listeners out there. If any of you guys are uh, maybe looking forward for us coming back, maybe if you want to let us know what kind of things uh, that you'd like uh, us to cover, maybe spend a little bit more time on or spend a little bit less time on uh, moving into the the next season. Because I know let's go, it'll go by pretty quickly, man. And then all of a sudden, you and I will be texting each other trying to get something going for a, a little preview show, you know, uh, sometime in September. Yeah. Uh, and let's say we don't get together at all over the next month and a half. You know, we're going to have to dial it in at some point and we're going to need uh, some direction. So between the two of us, we can obviously figure that out. But let's uh, see if the listeners might want to give us a hand on that and and uh, send us in any ideas or thoughts that you might have for some segments before the next season begins. Yeah, I think I'd see us maybe firing one up uh some point after the after the free agency kind of dust settles, maybe uh, maybe a mid-July, mid-July type deal, and we yeah. can kind of recap the Leafs in the draft, and we can cover what happened in free agency. Um, that, like we said, it's going to be an exciting offseason, so I think the allure is going to be too strong for us to stay away for that long. But other than that, um, just exactly what you said, Josh. Like I'd, I'd really like to hear from our listeners. Um, I also want to thank our listeners for the support and uh, for the feedback. Um, for listening, obviously, uh, it's been a pretty awesome year, I think, uh, first year for the podcast and I'm really looking forward to, uh, hopefully keeping it going and keeping the takes hot and bringing the heat, all yeah, that good stuff. Well said, my friend. And you know, it is our first off season too, right? So it's, it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to see how it develops. And, and, and then next year, uh, you know, a year down the road, we're still doing it. We're going into our second off season and we want to make a little improvements or adjustments on what we did last time, you know? So the first is always exciting. The St. Louis blues got their first cup. The raps got their first NBA championship title, the Larry OB. So, you know, now we're heading into our first uh, off season. I think we're heading there as champions too, my man. So, uh, well done on, uh, you know, basically from wire to wire, uh, for the season. Uh, it was a real pleasure sitting across the bar down in uh, Market Street and now sitting across the kitchen table at the Haunted House. The Haunted Farmhouse. <laughs> Podcast will continue to live on. It might be a good opportunity to do what we should consider is maybe getting a few guests and instead of having them on the actual pod like we normally do, we could just record the interviews ah. and then have an interview pod where we play a bunch of, you know, eight, be able to do that. eight or 10 minute clips of our of our discussions with, with so-and-so. Not a bad effort there. So, anyway, we'll we'll uh, we'll figure something out for you guys, and uh, we're looking forward to uh, you know being able to wrap up uh, the rest of the summer and some of the exciting things that happen. Because you know, let's go. Like I say, it's going to be a pretty exciting off season. So I know for sure, no later than probably by the third week of July, I'm going to want to be back. We'll here, be chomping so. at the bed. I know yeah. it. 
You just even in the the little breaks we've had in between the last few episodes, there's been. I think right after the Cup final, I was just like right fired up. And I know. I was yeah. like, okay, I was like, we got to wait till after the, the NBA finals, and then we have we can talk about them both. Yes. And uh, man, let me tell you, if, if the Raps sign Kawhi Leonard, I'm sure we'll be talking more Raps this summer. Oh, absolutely. And uh, fuck if they if if they sign Kawhi and they're they're making another run next year, expect to hear some more Raptors on this podcast. Well, they're the goddamn champs. I mean, it's not like we would be talking about the yeah. Golden State Warriors if they were champs and the Raps never even made it. The balls in deep segment will live on. I hope balls in deep. Looking forward to the next episode of that no doubt uh all right so that's it for episode 36 of the pucks and d podcast thanks for tuning in adam lesko josh coleman you can find us on twitter at lesko adam and myself at coleman 42 follow the uh, stations podcast at puck pod and make sure you tell your friends tell your family if you don't have any friends i don't know tell your co-workers Maybe they'll, they'll listen. maybe they'll be your friend. Have a nice stop and chat at work. You know everyone likes to stop and chat when you're <laughs> oh, working. Yeah. All right, enjoy your summer, everyone. We'll be back in a few weeks.